This podcast contains both effing and jeffing. Be warned. I added one more podcast to the giant podcast bin. Now you have plucked that podcast out and started listening. I took my microphone and found some human folk. Then I recorded all the noises while we spoke. My name is Adam Buxton. I'm a man. I want you to enjoy this. That's the plan. Hello, Adam Buxton here. How are you doing, listeners? Hope you're okay. Uh, I'm not talking at full volume today. I'm using my public voice because I am in public. Yes, I'm out in the countryside. And yes, I am in the East Angular area. But I'm not uh, in one of the fields near our place. We're actually on an Easter break, me and the family. And we're out in uh, Centre Parks not far from where we live, and uh, we come here quite a lot. In fact, at some point, I was thinking of maybe even doing like a whole podcast celebration of Centre Parks. So there's that to look forward to, eh? I do like it here. And it is uh, really a lovely day today. Oh, my goodness. I'm looking out over a little lake. It's quite an idyllic scene. Ducks pottering about, people cycling around on their way to archery and laser quest and geocaching. It's all very um, edifying. Anyway, listen, welcome to podcast episode number 16. Uh, Thanks very much for all your messages about last week's episode with Kathy Burke. Really glad that so many of you seem to have enjoyed that one. Something quite different this week, though. Um, Yes, it's a a rambly conversation, but it's another rambly convo with my friend Garth Jennings. And uh, we enjoyed this chat as we walked to and from uh, my local pub via woods and fields and a, a quaint country village. For those of you who don't know, Garth is a director of music videos, commercials and nowadays feature films. He's been living in Paris for the last couple of years with his family where he's been working on a a big animated feature coming out later this year, a big family film. Uh, It's actually for an American studio, but they're based in Paris. And Garth came to visit me at the end of last year uh, when we recorded this conversation. In fact, it was a few days after my dad's funeral in mid-December 2015, and Garth had correctly surmised that a trip to the pub with an old pal accompanied by some stupid, rambly chatting, was um, what the doctor ordered. Dr Buckles, that is. Last time Garth was on the podcast, in episode number six, regular listeners may remember, he told me about losing his temper with one of his in-laws on a family holiday. And on today's episode, you will hear how making that story public went down with uh, some of his nearest and dearest. Garth also told me about how his film is progressing. I told him a story from Adam and Joe show days about when me and Joe were out in Los Angeles and we made a guerrilla raid on a Hollywood TV studio. I'm making it sound more exciting than it was, but you'll hear the story. And on the way back from the pub, 
after a, uh, a delicious lunchtime repast. Very much recommend the butternut squash soup with the homemade bread. Uh, Garth and I reminisced about another once-in-a-lifetime dining experience with full financial disclosure, as is the fashion currently. Bit of topical political chat there. Got some more of it coming up later on. That's what this podcast is known for. It isn't. Anyway, I'll stop crapping on and say, here we go. Garth, we're on our way to the pub again. Yeah. It's a beautiful day. This is ridiculously beautiful. I mean, we could go for not a cloud in the sky here. It's cold, though. Yeah, but it's reassuringly cold, don't you think? It's nice. Because we were in T-shirts a few days ago. I know. We're recording this just before Christmas 2015. And um, it's been unseasonably mild, although the phrase unseasonably mild is becoming more and more irrelevant as yeah. uh, the climate continues to shift. You didn't see Obama on Bear Grylls' thing the other day, did you? No, I didn't. What happened? You know Bear Grylls, Yeah, right? sure. He does a show where he goes and yomps around yeah. with um, famous people. The only other one that I've seen was him and Jonathan Ross. And uh, that was pretty amusing. Yeah. And I, I was approached. I was on the long list for yomping really? with Bear Grylls. Did you, did you have to turn it down? No, I turned it up. But I it's, it's one of those things, I think what happens when you make a show like <clears> that, <throat> they, uh, they start off with a very long list of, like, any old Wally. <laughs> and then narrow it down depending on who says they're interested, you know. Right. It's like I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. Do you think they go for the people that, that aren't interested? Because if you're too keen, do they think, oh, he's going to be, yeah. there's no conflict. <laughs> he's going to be too boring. It's like that phrase of, was it Gore, Gore Vidal's thing, of anyone that wants to be president shouldn't be. Right. You know? <laughs> uh, it's a spin on the, on the Woody Allen thing of any, I wouldn't be a member of any club that would have me as a member. Or it was Groucho Marx. <laughs> Groucho Marx, yes. Um, so you were just too keen. They were like, no, look, he'd enjoy it too much. Yeah. We need someone who's going to suffer. He replied to the email almost immediately. <laughs> so strike him <laughs> off the list. With caps. <laughs> yes. yes! Are you yes. kidding? <laughs> <laughs> I've been waiting for this all my life. I've told my wife I'm celebrating with the children tonight. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> this is the greatest day of my life. Tell Bear Grylls. <laughs> He's made the right choice. <laughs> Woo-hoo! Buy, buying camping kit now. See you soon, love bucks. I'm just off to talk to the East Anglia Daily Press. Yeah. Um, anyway, so no, that didn't happen. No. <laughs> and so too eager there, too eager. Too eager. I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. I was put on the long list for one year. Oh. Or at least, yeah, I put on the long list. No, they, they, they made an inquiry. So as I say, they... they Get in touch with thousands of people, I think. But I actually, 
they, that was a mistake. They should have had you on because you would have done all that stuff. Oh, I know mate. you. You'd have eaten that whatever grub they'd have pulled out of that pot. I don't know. This year, you didn't see it this year, did you? I haven't seen it for a while, actually. Well, there was. Uh, I talked to Joe about this actually um, on the Christmas podcast, and there was a lady from Towie who was one of the final three. I forget her name. No disrespect. But um, she had to chomp a very large living spider. Ooh, no. That wriggled and jiggled and <laughs> tickled inside her. Did she swallow a bird after that? <laughs> she swallowed the bird. And, I mean, it was out of control, though. It was one of the most uh, compellingly, oh, horrendous. compellingly awful things I've ever seen. And on the one hand... Oh, I, can't, I don't feel comfortable just now just even imagining. She had to shake it round a glass in order that it would ball itself up and she could then oh. pop it in her mouth. <laughs> oh, no. And there were quite a few complaints from people. Yes, I can imagine. Saying, well, that's just cruel. They ignored the witchetty grubs that she had consumed beforehand. They were alive too. And they ignored the fact that many other living creatures die yeah. on that show for the sake of a bit of uh, cheap entertainment. But yeah. still... Um, they got you can imagine about the that. meetings where they're all going, no, look, we've eaten that. No, we've seen someone eat that. What else have you got? Yeah. And the woodsman's, like, scratching his head. He takes off his cork hat, because that's what all Australians wear. Right. Takes it off, and he goes, well, I suppose you could eat this spider. Brilliant! We've got a very, very big spider that looks as if it could probably stand up and say some words. <laughs> <laughs> Great! Let's yeah. kill that! Yes, yes, let's kill that. We'll give it to the Towie woman. Anything else? Well, there's a quite a sweet dog <laughs> that hangs around the set. Yeah. Um, the, cat, the cat's been annoying us for a while now. I have pubic lice. Yeah. Um, and we could get some of those. Yes, yes. Put Whatever you've got, just put it in the jar. <laughs> I feel like I would do a good job on that show. Yeah. But you never know. Also, there is the added dimension that it, for many people, signifies the end of a career. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's, like, it's like certain awards. When you get them, it's like... See you. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> Thanks, bye. And goodbye. It would be great not to hear from you ever again. <laughs> <laughs> it's the worst way to go out as well. And the last we heard of her eating a live spider. That's right. And good night. The, the gaps between what you do become longer and longer. And <laughs> every time you come back with one last gasp, they yeah. say, and here he is, the king of the jungle, or at least someone who was in the jungle for <laughs> one week before he was booted out first. <laughs> Dr. Adam Buckley's Buxton. Here he is. Now, you ate some pubic lice. What was that like? <laughs> um, anyway, so, dream of not yet, scenario. but Bear Grylls and Obama. Yeah, what was that about then? What, what was the it, hell what, was that about? Well, Obama, it seems to me now, will go on just about anything. Right, he's having a good time. I mean, I'm basing that on... Uh, just having gone on Mark Maron's WTF podcast. Well, that seemed like a smart move, though, to reconnect with people in a way that... Because his whole point was, we're just not reaching people. Yeah. There's this huge gap between politics and, and everyday life and what people want, and I've got to try and make an effort to bridge that gap by connecting in, in non-traditional routes. To me, that seems like an unwinnable game, though, because... You, you, right. The thing is that every time Obama appears on one of these things you are aware of the incredible amount of action going on behind the scenes to ensure that, you know, the right, right. things are spoken about and the president doesn't accidentally say something and obviously they're going to get final cut with 
anything that he's on. Right. I would say. Uh, yeah, you're right. I'd be very surprised. I mean, that's the way it works with the royal family. Yeah, and so did he? Did he have to go on some kind of test or something? No, um, I didn't see it. They just—I didn't watch the whole thing. I have to be honest. But they—they they went off yomping. They talked a little bit about climate change, and Bear Grylls was like, "You're you're the most incredible man in the world because you've you've saved the planet with what you've done with climate change. You've just totally." You've, you've totally saved it. <laughs> I'm not sure he has. Well, no, this was before the Paris summit. Okay. Um, which ended up in... I mean, the, it wasn't a total washout, but it was very far from being like, we've saved the planet. Yeah. Whew. However, but, what you can say is that Obama does not seem, to my mind, like one of the baddies. No. He did a decent job there on the Bear He's a nice man, isn't he? He sounds like a really nice man. He's such a nice man. Hard-hitting political discussion with Adam (laughs) Buxton and Garth Jennings. Does seem like a nice guy. Nice, he seems like a nice man. I just think he's a nice guy. I just think he's nice. Hey, look, it's not so bad as it was a few months ago. No, it's, it's gotten all... That was mental a few months ago because I didn't know. I sort of... I knew we were recording a podcast, but... Oh, oh well, Sorry, I've just walked straight to a bad Yeah, this is no good. We're going right I knew right we were the... recording for a podcast. Yeah. But I didn't know you'd assembled it all or anything until... Like it was only a couple of days later, and a friend of mine goes, Hey, heard that thing about you and the lemon tart. Oh, And I was mate. like, really? Is that out? And sure enough, it was. Well, I said to you... It was, you no, sp- no, you, it wasn't because you hadn't been open with me. Sure, I sure. I just... You know, because we walk to this pub all the time. Yeah. And uh, talk about all sorts of stuff. And I just... It didn't occur to me, even though you were making a podcast, I just didn't think about people actually listening to it. No, well, I said to you that weekend, like, so you're cool with this going out and you're yeah. cool with the dad story. Sure. So I, I said to you, do you want me to... Uh, edit out the bits where you mention his name because you did. Did I mention his name? I yeah. can't remember. Oh, I do, don't I? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, see, I just didn't think about it. Because obviously, the last thing I want is for there to be any kind of negative pushback. Yeah. And then you. I, I was really grateful for the fact that you were just totally candid, and I think that's what people responded to. And you did so in a way that I don't think threw anyone under the bus, but apparently, no. your wife didn't. Agree. Well, she was great about it. She was really sweet, and she sort of said, I did listen to it, and she and she wasn't angry at all, but she just sort of she was just a bit disappointed. Right. She said, "We should just do a very quick recap of the. Basically, you were telling a story about a time towards the beginning of your relationship with your wife. Was it was a family holiday that had already started badly when I took the entire family to the wrong airport, <laughs> and then there'd been a whole sort of bust up at the table because I'd overreacted to my father-in-law." Um, upsetting my wife. Right. And my wife re- heard the podcast and she said, you know, the trouble with this is that this is the only story about me and my family now and that she said, I come across as this great wuss and she's far from a wuss. Absolutely. She's a was, not a wuss. I can vouch for that. And, um, and my dad just sounds like a sort of great big bully. Yeah, and I yeah. said, well, on that, the trouble was on that occasion, he was a bit of a bully and I was resp- overreacting to that. But I could tell she was just a bit disappointed because she's like, oh, that story's just like 
other people's stories now. Like, you've just told that to everyone. Uh-huh. And um, I just, just wish you hadn't sort of said it. And what was your response to that? Oh, I was like, really? Do you really... Th-? I, I said I didn't. Because I didn't. did you agree with her? I sort of did and didn't. I, I, on the one hand, I don't want to do anything that upsets her. And she's very fair. She didn't get cross or anything. Mm. She was just like, ah, oh, I wish I hadn't done that. Disappointed. That's Disappointed, the worst though, yeah. That is the worst yeah, of all Yeah, it the... was. It was a bit like, oh, you've let me down a bit there. Yeah. I, I thought, you know, just it just didn't, doesn't make everybody... It's not that fair because they don't know the other stories that are the good ones, you know. Yes. And um, I said, well, that wasn't the point, but... Uh. So I half agreed. She was like, fine, it's just one of those things, but, you know, it'd be great if you didn't... be great do, if you didn't go and do a recap. Don't do a recap. <laughs> <laughs> don't bring it up again. <laughs> Let's just, just, just leave it at that. Well, what's funny that comes out of that is the fact that I... I I'm, I'm laughing. I'm not, I'm not laughing, obviously, out of disrespect no. to, to Was in any way. No, she's, she's brilliant. But none of... I don't think any of them have heard the... Po- I think my brother-in-law heard it. Right. Uh, but that's the thing, Ad. We had no idea so many people would hear it. Right. Do you know what I mean? When you're walking down a... You know, across a field with you, you're not thinking about people listening to it. No, but the thing is that... Um, that's why I think people <sighs> responded to it, because it's real. It's a real yeah. conversation. And as I say, you weren't... I didn't think that you were being horrible to any. I certainly don't think that it reflected badly on Was. No. Uh, or particularly her dad, because it's like any family is like that. Yes. Any f- father is, can be like that, or any mother, for that yeah. matter. Uh, or brother all... or sister families right. can be can just get the wrong side of each other and say something. And it was more... I think we'd started talking about it because it came out of me re- recounting something where I'd lost my mind. Yeah. It he, was like... Listen, if he was a serial bully and a, a, <laughs> and, a, and a, a, a kind of uh, scary guy who intimidates his family on a regular basis, you would not be telling that story because you would know that it was totally inappropriate to yeah. share this painful fact about <laughs> your wife's family <laughs> with, yes, with the no. podcasts. No, I mean... <laughs> but it's not... That was not the situation, right? I love the idea of the podcasts. These really cool folk who sort of with walk, their with their berets, with going. their berets or their or their, their <laughs> jauntily positioned straw hats and cane. <laughs> <laughs> Just checking out my pods. Oh, the lemon tart <laughs> denied. <laughs> Jingle break, it's a break from the podcast. In between the next bit and the bit that was last, every now and then you have to take a little rest. Otherwise, you're going to get tired and depressed. Take a look around, think that you exist. Think about the person you last kissed. Right, that's enough. Now think about keys. Think about sausages, think about trees Think of alien vehicles moving out in space Think about the wonder on the little baby's face And now think of Stevie Wonder's face on the baby's face Now stop thinking completely Cause you're ready for the next part of the podcast Here it is Hey man, since we last spoke we were being cagey about the details of your film because oh, yeah. it hadn't been announced that's yet. That's right, that's right, yeah. But now it is... It's officially announced. It's officially announced. So I'm t- out there. Tell us all about it. What's it called? It's called Sing. Pretty much a year from now, it will be out you know, in, in the cinemas. 21st of December 2016. Yeah, yeah. And I've been working on this thing for flipping years. It's set in the regular world. It looks like Los Angeles or San Francisco, one of those. There's nothing extraordinary about the city. And all the characters in it are regular folk with regular lives and friends and relationships and, 
you know, and, and, and jobs and everything, but they're all animals. They're every kind of animal there is. This is, this is animated, you said it's, that. It's a full CG animated extravaganza. Yeah. And at the centre of this story is a character called Buster Moon, who is a small koala who owns a theatre. And it's not doing so great. It's not doing great at all. And uh, A small, incompetent koala. Yeah, but he's a real optimistic dude. Yeah. And uh, he uh, thinks... And you can say who he's voiced yeah, by, Yeah, he's right? voiced by Matthew McConaughey. Nice. Who's fabulous. He's been absolutely incredible. And um, so this little uh, koala decides what he's going to do is he's going to stage a singing competition because that's what people like. And his best friend, Eddie who's played by John C. Riley says, D- you don't want to do that. People do not want to see another singing competition, I'm telling you. But Matthew's character is convinced, and there's a huge mistake that his incompetent secretary makes, yes. and the entire flipping city turns out to audition for this thing. And he is thrilled, and it's not until he's cast his show that he realises he's got this, this big problem to deal with. Yeah. And what we do in, this, in the film is follow the lives of the five contestants, the five, not real contestants, the five sort of main cast members, as their lives get sort of turned upside down as they're drawn into this show. And you sort of follow them like you would a documentary. Uh-huh. And with Buster Moon at the centre of it all. And the other people in the film are um, Seth MacFarlane, who plays a, a really, really nasty little mouse but who can sing like Frank Sinatra and Scarlett so it's exactly Johansson. like him in real life. <laughs> he I'm can joking. really sing like Frank Sinatra. He's not a nasty little master. I'm joking. <laughs> I've never met Sinatra. This is the weird thing. They're all so flipping nice. Yeah. Scarlett Johansson plays a porcupine called Ash, who's sort of a goth, and she's in a relationship with a really useless boyfriend. And she can sing too. I mean, she's got a great Amazing voice. singer. Yeah. She's got a very deep sort of... Husky. Right. Yeah, she's a great singer. She's been doing lots of songs for us recently and it's been going great. And same for Reese Witherspoon who plays a pig who's based on Woz. Um, <laughs> Woz, again, wasn't too delighted with the choice of animal but the, 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 the pig has 25 piglets and she is called Rosita and she yearns to reconnect with that part of herself that used to be able to sing and perform and all that stuff, and that she had to let go of all of that when she started having children. Right. And so your, your wife is the, that, that way with the world of fashion. Yeah, exactly. She, for 10 years, she gave up her job and raised the kids and then tried to get back into work. And, the, and she's doing brilliantly now, but, God, there was years... It was really tough for her to get back in for all kinds of reasons. It's just tough to get work anyway. Of course. But, um, you know, thinking, is she doing the right thing? And... Is she too old now? And all that stuff that we went through together. And um, that's sort of reflected a little bit in Reese Witherspoon's character, who is uh, having to invent all kinds of crazy systems to look after her family while she's in the show. Yeah. Then you have... um, You've got Jennifer Saunders in there. Yeah, she plays Miss Nana Noodleman, who's kind of a Norma Desmond character. Yes. And then John C. Riley plays Eddie the Sheep, who is his best friend and also Nana Noodleman's grandson. Yeah. Um, then Taron Egerton, flipping Taron Egerton's amazing. He plays a Cockney gorilla and his father is a gangster and, um, and he's his father's getaway driver. Uh-huh. So he has to um, lead a double life between being the getaway driver for his father, who desperately wants him to be just like him, and being in this, in, in this show with Buster. And then finally, Tori, there's this new singer called Tori Kelly, uh, who is just phenomenal. And she plays a teenage elephant called Mina, who is suffering from crippling stage fright and uh, rather overbearing family. 
But that's worked out pretty well. So where did you I, find her then? How, how did you become aware of her? I became aware of her a bit through the music team at Universal. We were trying to find a young singer to, you know, to play a young part, uh-huh. but also somebody who could take the roof off vocally. We auditioned lots and lots of people. And I remember, just remember auditioning Tori and she was just great. I knew she could sing because I'd heard her sing already. But then as the character, she was fabulous. The production is based in Paris. It is, yeah. So how do you go about recording these Hollywood artists? Oh, well, most of it's done with me in the room with them. So I have to fly to America a lot. Whenever they're free, I get these little windows of opportunity where I have to dash out and grab them for a couple of hours or three or four hours if we're doing a full song. Yeah. Which means I've been travelling a lot this year. Which, um, Getting your air miles. Yeah, but it's exhausting. I, it's, it, yeah. The last thing you want to do is use them and go anyway. You just want to stay at home. Are they transferable at all? <laughs> you know what? I think I have enough now. I could probably charter my own plane. It's ridiculous. Well, there was something good. like 17 trips this year yeah. to America. And in one year, that's far too many. And it does, does make you um, a bit doolally. You do go a bit bonkers. But it's great. The sessions have been amazing. It is absolutely lovely to be at the phase where we're recording with the actors and you're in the room with them and they're doing their thing, which they do so well. It's more immediate. With animation, it's magical in different ways, but it's a very slow process. Yeah. You'll have an idea and you may see the, you know, the fruits of that idea months after you come up with it. But the great thing about being on a set or in a recording studio is you can say, let's try this, and there it is. You can see if it if it's good or not, if it's wonderful. So it's been really great to see them doing their stuff. Scarlett Johansson, you sent yeah. me through a picture on a text saying... Uh, look at that, yeah, I'm with Scarlett. Look at me. Flipping. I looked like her dad, didn't I? Seriously, <laughs> I were, did. I was like, you were standing. Gracious. It was one of those shots you were standing directly beneath a, uh, a downlight. You know okay. what I mean? You're, you're making it sound like there's, it was so the lighting that did it. It was, <laughs> it was, though, because sometimes you get unlucky with the lighting and it, sh- it shines Ooh. directly through your hair. It makes your hair look very thin. Yeah. And it makes you... <laughs> it makes you... I'm not saying you, I'm saying no, no. one. Yeah, no. It makes you look uh, much older, yeah. And so you, you did look quite fatherly yeah. next to her. Yes. And She's... she just looks... Well, she looked as if she'd just come from the set of The Avengers or something. She, I think she probably had. Oh, not The Avengers. I think she was doing the, the, one of the Captain America films at the time. Uh-huh. But just brilliant and so willing to jump in there and do it all and no, just no problem. Just to, You know when it's just easy and, and I just assumed there'd be more work I'd have to do in order to convince people. Right. But the minute they start, they seem to get where I'm going with it and they've just... Jumped in. Well, but basically, we're going to chart in podcast form the whole progress <laughs> yeah. of this movie. Yeah. So this is the it's all going well part. You are about four months away from pretty much doing the bulk of all the work that has to be done. Uh, yeah, on it. we have to have delivered it by the summer, the end of the summer. So most of it will be crunched through in the next five months. Uh huh. Yeah. Then we will check in with you when it uh, comes out. Yeah. And See then, if I'm still standing. Yeah, we'll, we'll come and do another podcast from rehab. <laughs> yeah. When you're in therapy. Yeah. Or I probably, I was thinking by that time, I probably won't need to hang out with the likes of you. That's true. I'll have moved on. That oh, yeah, true. totally. That's the whole part of my business plan. You're going to be hanging yeah. out with McConaughey, but This is pressing. probably our last chat face to face. I'll just have one of my people do it for me. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, I don't mind because I'm going to be uh, hanging out with... Well, Ainsley Harriet. Ainsley, that would Ainsley. be well impressive. Come on. I just only say Ainsley because I always remember that time you wanted me to film you doing some BBC documentary I was dressed stuff. as Ken Corder. Yeah. And you said, you kept saying, look, there's Ainsley Harriet. <laughs> yes, over there you can see the set for the new programme. It's going to be a spaceship that will take Ainsley Harriet to the moon. <laughs> We're halfway through the podcast I think it's going really great The conversation's flowing like it would Between a geezer and his mate Alright mate, hello geezer, I'm pleased to see you Ooh, there's so much chemistry It's like a science lab of talking I'm interested in what you said Thank you There's fun chat and there's deep chat It's like Chris Evans is meeting Stephen Hawking Oh yeah, did I, did I? I told you the story about Ken when we were in. Um, this is a character I used to do, listeners, on the Adam and Joe show, called Ken Corder, who is a kind of a multi-purpose media twat. Yes, and it was a very broad caricature of absolutely no one in particular. But um, <laughs> at one point, we used to go to Los Angeles, me and Joe, uh, at least once a year, while we were doing the Adam and Joe show. And film little bits and pieces, like one time we... Well, we did some filming with Coolio and my dad. We did a couple of vinyl justice things, which was me and Joe wandering around in silly policemen's uniforms and, and going through people's record collections, and we ended up doing Dave Navarro. Did you? Yeah. Uh, he oh, was, yes, that's right. He was pretty weird. I remember that. He was very suspicious, and all you know, none of these people knew who me and Joe were. Yeah. They obviously had uh, agents or publicists that they needed to fire yeah. <laughs> who, who had arranged for them to be yeah. on this weird English TV show. And when we turned up and started going, oh, hello, sir, what have we got here? Copy of Frampton Comes Alive. What are you doing with that? <laughs> and they'd be sort of looking at us like, well, what's the problem with that? What's, what's going on here? How long is this going to take? Yeah. Dave Navarro's very pretty girlfriend sort of stood without speaking to anyone in the corner like a... Policing a, it, like a proper a rock girlfriend. Lady, yeah. I don't think this is he right, very pleased. One of the, And then we did not the... Not how I pictured you being interviewed. <laughs> exactly. You humiliated yourself today, Dave. You know who so wouldn't have done that? Sucker. Flee. Yeah. <laughs> um, he would so not have done that, and that's why I'm leaving you, Dave. Rosie, come over here. We're, we're getting onto the road now, just before the pub, so I have to put She's Rosie's leash on. Rosie. Rose dog, come, come here. I've got to put the lead on. Rose bowl. Good deal. Well done, clever dog. Yeah, we did... Uh, who else did we do? Well, we did Frank Black. That was great. He was lovely. And we did... Uh, oh, the Zapper children. Moon unit. We did moon unit. We never used the moon unit one in the end because it was just... Um, it was just pretty good music that she was into. And it's more fun when you find so-called embarrassing records. Well, that's a thing that my father-in-law, I can genuinely say, without causing any offence, yeah. has the has the best uh, a, a best record collection. If you're after the worst record collection, oh, yeah. <laughs> it was only five records he's ever ever seemed to have owned. <laughs> one of them was Nana Mascuri's Greatest Hits, which is not too bad. That's a good seventies one. Bad. I think everyone in the seventies had that. Swinging Safari. Oh, mate, he's yep. like a kind of seventies. Yeah. Caricature. Yeah, Burt Camper Swinging. Has he got any Dunican in there? And there's no Dunican. Uh, I'm sweaty. There's only five albums anyway. There was one I think that came free with the Daily Mail back in the 80s, <laughs> and a couple of um, choral things. 
And I remember coming up and being very rude about it to Wozniak. So they got. Yeah. Really? See? But Camford's swinging safari. Hasn't he got any Bentley Rhythm Ace? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's no motorhead here. No, but it was... Um, and, and that was an alien to me that you could have so little uh, music. Yes, exactly. I'd, I'd grown up in a house of rock. I know. It's, it's always very strange, isn't it, when you meet people who clearly don't care that much about music. You know, it's like, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. But why would you want to get yeah. loads of it? Yeah, why would you need loads of it? It's on the radio all the time. Yeah, but what? I know, and you yeah. think, holy Christ, music is the only thing yeah. that stands between me and the abyss. <laughs> yeah. Well, my whole film is a complete distillation of all the music I like. Yeah. We have something like over 80 songs in there now. You've got some Shuby Taylor in there. Shuby's in there. Shuby Taylor, the human horn. Look him yeah. up if you don't know about Shuby Taylor. Go listeners. look him up, and if you have children, play it very loud to your children. He was a, uh, an American postman who, um, in his spare time, and he called himself the human horn. Yeah. He would, he, he would sort of do a crazy, weird approximation of what he considered to be scat singing. Poppy, 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 poppy. He had all these brilliant phrases that he'd invented. So he'd invented a whole new scat lexicon. Whoa, Rosie, yeah, it, come on. Easy, it's just a cat. Look, the cat knows. A cat knows. Cat it's all... knows she's fine. Rosie, don't be mean. Come on. But I've got look, her on the leash. I have to say, the cat just is, is, to- is making this whole thing The worse. cat is fronting. <laughs> Whatever the cat is saying. Just gonna that is totally... Yeah. Rosie, calm down. The cat is well nonchalant. Yeah. As you said... It was completely like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, it's dog on a lead. I'm it? pretty sure you're on a lead, yeah. mate. What are you going to do, like, chase that, me up this tree with your isn't... paws? I don't think so, dog. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you're going to nah, do any damage. You will, will you? You tiny little dog. You do not have my agility. What are you, half poodle? <laughs> well, you're some kind yeah, of woodle, isn't you it? You are making me laugh. Yeah, right? with, your, with your dog face. You've got nothing on this cat. Yeah, sure. so you've got loads of good music in your movie. Yeah, it's That's lots, great. it's lots. And it's great to, uh, to be able to just have it all. You know, you, I'm so used to music being a very, very... It's the most expensive part of most it, movies. It can it? be, and it's also one of the trickiest just to... Because you've got to get clearance from all kinds of people, and sometimes yeah. they're, they're hard to pin down, and, and then they want approval of the scene and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So it can be a real pain in the backside. And um, so it's amazing. I've got this extraordinary team, seriously, at Universal Music, yeah. who just just deal with it in the most brilliantly elegant way. Uh-huh. So it all gets done. There was one track, though, that was really hard uh, to get permission for. You allowed to say what it was? We needed an Elton John song. I won't tell you which one. And um, I really, really wanted this track for this, this part of the film. And, uh, and they were saying, no, 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 uh, you can't use it because there's a chance we may be using that in our own Elton John animated film. They're doing a sequel to some... Um, oh, yeah, The Gnomes. Yes, it, yeah. I think it's Sherlock Gnomes I think they're doing it. Uh-huh. So, uh, and so for months it was a no-go and we were finding alternatives and there were some perfectly brilliant alternatives. But then again, Chris Miller-Dandry makes one final push. He's your big boss. He's my big boss. And as a result, David Furnish agrees to meet with me so I went for this meeting with David Furnish yeah. in his offices at Rocket Productions it was like a sensory overload because first of all he was so charming and nice it was dazzling 
But the other thing, the thing that struck me first, actually, was the smell. His office... Farts. No, no. I think it's maybe the nicest smelling environment I've ever been in my life. So much so that the first thing I said was, wow, what is this smell? Yeah. He looked at me like I may have said something rude. I think at first, like, what do you mean? I said, like, it just smells incredible in here. Is this, is this a candle or something? Yeah. So, oh, he just very casually said, I don't know. I think it's maybe some... It's a candle in the wind. <laughs> Good job. Thanks. That was very well picked up. <laughs> I sort of left it dangling. But, um, <laughs> like a, like, a, like a rotten piece of fruit. <laughs> oh, I love that. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> so, so there was this really charming man in the most immaculate suit I've ever seen, yeah. in the most perfectly smelling office I've or environment I've ever been in and um, I got to meet with him and halfway through the the meeting which went really well in the end it meant everything went through halfway through uh, there's this dong 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 sort of sound like a knocking sound there's a glass door to David's office and there's Elton John no just banged on the window and just waved at David David sort of waved back it was like oh yeah you're a couple yeah I forgot that you you know I think of you as these two famous people but actually you're a couple yeah they work together you really yeah yeah, and it was so clear in those three seconds and um, I had to sort of stop myself from hyperventilating like wow that was Elton John uh, why did I even start telling that story? Oh, because of the music thing. The and music thing. You've pretty much had everything we need, wanted. Um, and that was the only tricky one that turned out to be sort of a, a fun journey to go on. That's to get. cool. And it's good that they, as you said, I think they, they, they are aware of the fact that they kind of have to keep that back catalogue alive. That's for, funny you should say that. He, was, he was aware of that. I mean, it's important that they're selective. But he's very keen that, they're both very keen that the music is... You know, carries on. Because you can be... I mean, I get the feeling with the Beatles sometimes that Apple are so cautious and so controlling about how that music gets used that there's a whole generation of young people particularly that don't really have much of a relationship with the Beatles' no, music and aren't really aware true. of it and just think, well, it's, it's like these people from ancient history did these things, didn't yes. they? Yes, it's, 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 it's difficult because I suppose it, it must be very hard to know what to do. You know, with with because it's so confusing. Yeah, Nobody you, really knows how to work streaming. Well, or, I guess you just have to be selective, don't you? Yeah, yeah, and um, yeah. So it was nice to meet such a positive um, attitude. That's great. Yeah, it really was. It was lovely. started off on this section of this ramble by talking about Ken Corder and I was, I think the reason the story I wanted to tell you, because sometimes I do go off on these tangents and then people get back in touch after the podcast and say what, what, was, the, what was the story so you were going to tell? Come on Grandpa, what were you going to say? Uh, well, uh, <laughs> I dressed up as Ken Corder, this stupid character and we went off to Warner Brothers, to the, to the studio and um, I rigged myself with a little camera a sort of tie cam and a uh, Where was the tape camera recorder. Hidden? I cut a little hole in my shirt and stuck it underneath there with yeah. some gaffer tape. And, and I had a backpack uh, with a Hi8 camera that we connected it to, or a Digi8 or whatever, and a recorder for the sound. And then we went to Warner Brothers Studios. Joe stayed outside and <laughs> I went up to the big gates 
at Warner Brothers Studios in, where is it? I don't know. Burbank? Yeah, I don't that know. sounds about right. I'm guessing. Yeah. And I went up to the security guy. Yeah. And just said, hello, I'm here to see Michael Crichton. <laughs> um, he said, uh, all right. Were you in a car or you walking? No, I was walking. Okay, in Los Angeles. I walking weird. in Los Angeles with a baseball cap with an insane looking wig on <laughs> and a, a backpack. And I went up and said, hello, I'm here to see Michael Crichton. And I think maybe because it was a British, albeit weird, British accent. He was and, like, wow, this must be so, real. Cause he's, oh, he's not crazy. He's British. <laughs> <laughs> he's well, either a scientist or a bad guy. Yeah, exactly. I better let this guy in. Either way, he's probably smart. So, <laughs> yeah. And cultured. I don't know. Downton Abbey wasn't on in those days. But no. Americans still, I think, some of them still have this image of Brits as being somehow um, intellectual yeah. or important. Yeah. Um, or snooty at the very least. They, and they don't want to get snooted on. <laughs> so um, he let me write he let me write in. And I just wandered around. Sort of talking to myself for a while, thinking, well, you know, I've got to... Because the camera was rolling and the, the, the sound was recording and everything. So you're just walking around the lot? I'm walking around that the lot. That never happen. Poking my head into various studios until I see the <laughs> studio where they record ER. And sure enough, they were shooting. And the door to the main studio was open. I guess they were between takes. And there were people, uh, crew coming and going. And also members of the cast. I didn't see George Clooney, but I saw the actor that played Dr. Benton, Eric LaSalle, that's his name. Right. Uh, Brilliant uh, character, Dr. Benton. Very taciturn and uh, uh, emotionless, but brilliant at his job. And I loved that show. Holy Christmas. (laughs) And so I was like, oh, my God, I'm, in, I'm on the set of ER. And I was in, you go in through the big main doors of the soundstage, and there you are in County General or whatever it was called. Wait, are you staying in character at this point? Yes. So you're still getting So, caught. And no one, is, no one is bothering me. I'm just wandering around wherever so I want to go. Yeah, <laughs> totally normal. And I go up to Eric LaSalle, and he's talking to a director or a script editor or whatever. Like, hello. <laughs> Here to see Michael Crichton. Is he here? Michael Crichton is one of the creators of the show, I think. Yeah. And also a, uh, you know, pretty famous Hollywood screenwriter, no longer with us. That was the one name I thought, this is a kind of inside and industry name. And by yeah. banding it around, I will show that I have insider credentials. And here to see Michael Crichton. Yes, I'm due to be talking to him about the Bodger and Badger movie. <laughs> Uh, It's very exciting, and Michael and I are going to be working on it, and then uh, I think we're um, meeting PJ and Duncan later on for lunch. (laughs) And and Eric LaSalle's like, oh, I don't know if Michael's here today. (laughs) But you could try on set, he says. So thank you very much. (laughs) Um, Were you not at any point a little bit worried? Yes. Okay, good. Massively. Good, good. Crapping my pants. Wait, have you got any comlink back to Joe? No. So Joe's not going, keep going. No, no, Go no. into phase four. No, this is two, ama- two utter rank amateurs. <laughs> just thinking, let's give this a go. We hadn't thought it through at all. We just thought, well, let's see what happens. So I'm, I'm, I'm like wandering down the main corridor on a set of ER. Is Michael here today? At that point, this is why I could never be a, a, a true kind of uh, provocateur yes. or stitch-up guy, because yeah. at a certain point, I became ashamed at how nice everyone was being. Right. And I just thought, I'm a stupid little creep, and I'm taking advantage <laughs> of their complete 
openness yes. and generosity and the fact that oh. no one is coming over and being mean to me. I love this show. And the last thing I would ever want to do is taint my enjoyment of this program by um, being an irritation to them. So yeah. I'm going to cash in my chips and I'm going to bugger off back to Joe. So I uh, wave goodbye to the set of ER, walk back out completely unbothered, see Joe at the front. I'm like, mate, check this out. Get out the camera. It hasn't been recorded. Fuck off. Really? Yeah. It stopped recording about two minutes after I went in through the gates. <gasps> Unbelievable. <laughs> That's heartbreaking. Uh, it was. It was one of the most heartbreaking moments of my life. Do you wake up in the night sometimes just screaming? For about a while it? I did. Yeah. Then I had some very expensive therapy. <laughs> and now I'm okay. This is an advert for Squarespace. Every time I visit your website, I see success. Yes, success. The way that you look at the world makes the world want to say yes. It looks very professional. I love browsing your videos and pics, and I don't want to stop. And I'd like to access your members area. And spend in your shop. These are the kinds of comments people will say about your website if you build it with Squarespace. Just visit squarespace.com slash Buxton for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, because you will want to launch, use the offer code Buxton to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. So put the smile of success on your face with Squarespace. Yes. That was good lunch, man. I had the best fish and chips I think I've ever had. That really? was perfect. Yeah, seriously, that was perfect. Sometimes, though... The mushy the... peas, they weren't even mushy, they were like minty peas. What? Oh, they stuck some oh, mint. Oh, they just great. I'll tell you one of my most memorable meals was when... We went to that place in Paris, the oh, Crayon. For Christ's sakes, that was insane, wasn't it? Wow, that was that crazy. Was, that, How did we end up there? I genuinely... Do, oh, I know what it was. We had just... This must have been 2005, because I'd just finished the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. And we went... And I'd been to France for the French premiere, and they'd sent me to this amazing restaurant that they'd paid for. And then I thought, oh, maybe they'll send me... Maybe if I asked, they could just send me there again. And they said, oh, we can't get you in there, but we can get you a table at the Creon. And I thought, maybe they'll pay for it, but they weren't going to pay for it. Uh, <laughs> and, and I think you'd gone there because it was your anniversary or Sel's birthday, and we were the surprise guests. That's right. I'd said to Sel, let's go out and do a weekend in Paris. <clears throat> and um, the night we got there... We sort of went down to the bar in this little hotel we were staying at to have a drink. It's like, 
Who are those guys in the corner? Yeah. Do you recognize them? <laughs> hey. Oh, jokes. Jokes. <laughs> Maximum jokes. It was really nice looking at Cell for about 10 minutes thinking, she doesn't know we're here. Yeah. This is actually working. Because she's not silly. She normally susses something like that. Yeah, it was really fun. And then, yeah. I guess the next night, we went and had uh, dinner at this place. And it was like, I mean, it looked like the Palace of Versailles or something. Yeah. And it was just... Oh, it was ridiculous. Uh, it was like a giant marble ballroom type area with... <laughs> it was. Huge, like a great... Disney princess movie. Gold framed portraits of important looking people on the walls. Yeah. And a few large tables scattered around. That's with, the thing, there was lots of space between yeah, the tables. Because usually they, they pack them in. If, if you've got a restaurant and it's going well, it's like, how many people can we stuff in? <laughs> and then Get another table in there, they can share a table, yeah, exactly. it's fine. Because that's how you talk in fine exactly. restaurants. <laughs> get enough, shut up, get another table in there. This is the there. classic fine yeah. restaurateur. <laughs> yeah. It's Look, the there's two metres over there that's got nout in it. Fucking put another <laughs> table in. What are you doing? Things are going great. We've got five fucking Michelin stars. You're fucking mad. <laughs> that's, that's the way restaurant people talk. Look, put, a, put an umbrella out the front. We can stick another couple of tables in. <laughs> fucking hell. It's never going to be this good again. How many people have got five Michelin stars? <laughs> fucking hell. <laughs> but it wasn't like that at the, at the Creon at the Creon it wasn't like that no it, it wasn't was, like uh, <laughs> uh, we must have uh, at least 50 feet in between yes. every single table so if somebody for example they want to arrive by car they can drive to the table they don't have to walk across no, the floor we were the people that shouldn't be there we were about 30 years younger than everybody else <laughs> yes. there right I was really anxious, like, whoa, we are actually out of our depth here. Yeah. But the thing was that immediately struck me was how nice the staff were. Yeah. Because if it was a movie, the maitre d' would be looking at you like, uh, I don't think you belong here, sir. No, so you'll want a Pepsi-Cola, won't you, no, with your dinner? Uh, there is a McDonald's a little bit... Uh, where? I don't know where my maitre d' is. Yeah, from. you know, well, we've, we've, had, we've had all kinds of accents Skidding here. around between Germany. I like the other ones that were like... <laughs> <laughs> the northern ones. Fucking hell. We've got five stars. Five fucking Michelin stars. Get some stools and put them up to the bar. I don't care. <laughs> Hang them out the fucking window. We've got five stars. We'll do any kind of offensive accent. Don't no, worry about no, it. No, 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 it's fine. Yeah. And so we sit down and <laughs> there's me and Garth and Woz and Sal. And we're all kind of like, what the hell is this? Yeah. And... We start looking at these menus. There's one server per person, right? Yeah. It's not a busy night at yeah. the Creole. There's only about six other people in there, a few Russian oligarchs. There's the main guy who's coming over and sort of taking the order. Yeah. And then for every single thing that comes out, whether it's a drink or a bit of food or whatever, there's an individual server per person. Yeah. All of them are scrupulously polite and charming. So we're looking at the menu and sort of trying to figure out what we're going to have. And it all, like, you don't just get, like, mains and starters and then a pudding, right? No, it wasn't like a three-course thing. No, it set. was like we have got a whole wide selection of individual little works of art. Yes. That's what it turned out to be. Yeah. I think they call them, well, it's like a, a succession of a mousse-bouche. Yeah. Now, what we have here <laughs> is 
like loads of fucking amuse boochie <laughs> and you choose the fucking one you like and you can have that. This is no good because people, <laughs> people, people from this part no, of the world. It's funny for me because it's so at odds with the reality of that place, which is like a, a church to food. I know, but the implication from me with that accent is that yeah. someone with that accent could not possibly be sufficiently cultured to be in that situation. No, but anyone which isn't other true, than, of course. No, it's of course not. But it's just funny <laughs> because it sounds like a sitcom voice. Yeah. <laughs> It's like a, a, a grotesque caricature of a northern person from the 70s yeah. that I've inserted. And well, now I've removed you use all the, the humour <laughs> from the situation by <laughs> analysing, analysing every little bit of humour out of it as a preemptive apology to yeah. anyone who might be offended by oh, it. This is the future of comedy. This is the future of comedy. Um, <laughs> anyway, so we're sat there and... Um, we're checking out, like, what's on this menu, right? And I, I'm thinking to myself, wow, this is cool that Garth's got us into this place. This is wild. And I'm going to pay. So we sit down and everybody gets a menu. And I, I'm looking at all this amazing stuff on there. But there's no prices. And I'm like, wait a second, what's... How come there's no prices? And I'm asking Sel, like, are there prices on your menu? And she's like, No. And then I say to Garth, like, Garth, have you got prices? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I was like, oh, can you pass that over here? So Garth passes over the menu. <laughs> I'm looking down at the prices. Yeah. No. <laughs> and um, we'd already ordered a bottle of wine. And so that bottle of wine, for example, that we just ordered, which was like the house wine, I don't know what it was. That bottle of wine was, I think, £60? Yeah. And then I start looking at some of the actual dishes. And clearly, there's only one menu. And they'd given Garth the menu with the prices on because they thought he was the, the paid man guy. So a little bit of maths, you know, it's like beautiful mind. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Buckles is madly calculating. Yeah. And it becomes obvious to me that this whole experience is going to cost not less than £1,000 <laughs> for one meal. I've never in my life for four before people. or since had anything like it before. Oh, my God. Jesus. And so I, I, and I'd already made a big song and dance out of like, yeah, this is my treat. I'm going to yeah. pay for this. And I, I think I, I'm, knowing me, I would have said, no, you should, let's go halves. Come on. Yeah. And you're like, no, man, this is... This no, 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 no. This, yeah. is, this is on me. This is on me. And I had no idea. So, so I'm thinking, okay, a thousand pounds for one meal. Jesus, is that Christ. really the way this is going to go down? And at, th at that point, we had, we had children by that point, right? So, yeah. Look, even if you didn't have children, and you were really, you know, maybe even if we were both really wealthy at the time, yeah. Which neither of us really were, were we? No, no. A thousand pounds? No, that's once in a lifetime stuff. So I was thinking, can a meal ever, ever be worth a thousand pounds? I was going through, run, running through this whole quandary in my mind. Like, well, yeah. here are the options. Either I pay for this meal, we, we have the meal and I pay for it, and it's a thousand fucking pounds. <laughs> and uh, I just don't, I can't conceive of a way that it would ever be worth it. It just seems like a grotesque waste of money. So we could leave and we could go somewhere more suited to our um, pockets and our taste. Yeah. McDonald's, maybe. Yeah. Or I could just say to everyone, look, I know what I said about, like, I'm going to pay for this. 
but now I've seen the prices. Yeah. And maybe that whole splitting it thing would be a better uh, a yeah. better way to go. Even then, two hundred and fifty pounds each. Yeah. Holy crap. But we stayed, and it was unbelievably great. It was, isn't it? <laughs> and. With every single course that came out, and there were, there were about 10, and I couldn't tell you what it was that we were actually eating because they really did look like little beautiful sculptures. Each plate would come out, and there'd be a silver dome over it, and the servers would come out. Yeah. They would remove these domes from the plates in unison, beautifully choreographed, and present them to us each time with, with, with a wonderful flourish, and then they would evaporate. And uh, off they would go to the kitchen and, and return at exactly the point you wanted them to return. Like, for example, there would be things... I guess it was sort of Heston Blumenthal level of crazy creativity. Uh, not necessarily with the ingredients so much as the presentation. And yeah. there were... You know, there would be like a little weird bit of sushi with a, a little geodome <laughs> made of um, caramel. Yeah. Or something that was just beautiful looking... But everything tasted incredible as well. And, yeah. you, and you couldn't quite put your finger on what it was that you were actually consuming. But you knew it was spectacular and you loved it. And it just carried on like that throughout the whole meal, course after course of these little brilliant explosions of... Um, Food fireworks. Culinary creativity, yeah. It was amazing. And you're right, that's an obscene amount of money to, for, for some food, but... We did enjoy the hell out of it. And I'm sure the waiters picked up on that. Yeah. Because I think they're used to people, the kind of people that go, can afford to go there, don't get that excited about these things because it's kind of ordinary for them. Right. They don't go, oh, when the waiter comes over, go, what was that? That was amazing. Uh-huh. And they're sort of like, oh, great, somebody actually digs this stuff. <laughs> you know? I'll remember it for the rest of my life. It, yeah. was, it was so great. So there we go. That's it for this week. Thanks very much indeed to Garth Jennings. Garth will no doubt be back on the podcast at some future juncture. And as I indicated earlier on, I'll probably be catching up with him once again uh, to find out how the film turns out and uh, see if he conquers the world with it or if he is instantly put into direct jail for having created one of the most offensive family films of all time. Uh, I'm sure that won't be the case. Thanks, Garth. I'm back in uh, our lodge at Centre Parks right now. Uh, my wife. My wife. My wife and my children are on the climbing wall. My wife and my children are on the climbing wall. I am sat inside the lodge. I'm small. That's a free song for you there. And um, I've got to go and meet them a bit later on to uh, have some time in the tropical swimming paradise here at Centre Parks. So pray for me. Thanks very much indeed to Seamus Murphy Mitchell for production support and to Acast, who put out this podcast. Download their app on Android or iOS and check out their recommendations for other podcasts you might enjoy. They didn't ask me to say that. I just thought it would be polite to say it, seeing as they provide support for this podcast. 
Um, so I may have got the wording wrong there. Speaking of getting the wording wrong, and if you love downloading apps, why not investigate the Adam Buxton app on iTunes? Just type in Adam Buxton on apps on iTunes and you should find it. It's a, it's um, my stupid uh, beardy face against a pink background is the icon for it. And that will pop onto your phone. At the moment, I believe it's just for iOS devices. It, it, it's free and it enables... Well, it does. Here's what it does. It enables you to browse years of oh brilliant brilliant erratic online nonsense from my that's erratic not erotic currently from my blog uh, my youtube channel and my riveting twitter feed it was made for me by the fine fellows at dunlud d-w-n-l-d and basically what they do is they make it easy for you to build your own app if you so wish and they sort of did one for me just to uh, get themselves some publicity, I guess. And they didn't demand that I chat about it. But I, th- again, thought it would be polite. It's an early version of the app. So that's why it's only available for iOS at the moment, I believe. Though if there's sufficient uptake for it, I guess that'll change. So check it out if you're able to. And apologies if you're not able to. Please don't firebomb me or my family. That would be great, because we didn't do it deliberately to upset you. And uh, what else? I'm not very good at doing the self-promotion thing. Every now and again, I think, right, I'm really going to start being serious about all this self-promotion. And then I, I lose the will to follow it up, and weeks go by without my blog being updated and things like that. But, um, you know, if you liked this podcast... Uh, good Um, give it a thumbs up somewhere a nice review subscribe like stroke kiss hug if you didn't like it please just um, try to move on with your life and not punish me or anyone else associated with it that would be great and we'll do our best to um, be more what you want us to be in the future That's the best I can do at this point. Until next time we meet, do take care. I love you.